It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Welcome to Celtic Down Under, uh, WA Labour Day uh, edition. So we uh, out here in Western Australia had a day off work today, which meant we could enjoy the Celtic game last night at a 8pm kickoff. And uh, now we've had a couple of beverages and a day to recover. Uh, although, uh, I guess for most people with kids like myself, it, it was more a day of unpaid childcare where the schools get the day off rather than we do. Paul, how was your how's your Labour Day been? How was your night last night? Uh yeah, pretty good. Um it was I think I mentioned it last week, my Bucks do was on Saturday. So um mm. and then we did a bit of a kind of hair of the dog um at Blaster's fifth birthday party um in Borswood uh, on Sunday. So today has been uh, very low key and generally just a bit of a recovery sessions. But uh yeah managed to uh Managed to catch all the game and uh, wasn't too intoxicated for it. So hopefully can remember uh, everything we need to chat about tonight. Yep, Tommy, how's your day been? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, pretty quiet. Didn't really um, have a big one this weekend. I was um, had too big a weekend last weekend, so that was enough for me. Um, so I actually watched the game. Um, didn't get down to the CSC last night. Just watched it here at home. Didn't have any beers and... Good to get a win. And today was just um, pretty relaxing. My kids are up and about. They're young adults, so not the same as yourself, Sean, chasing them around. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just got to the sauna today and a bit of dinner and here I am. Well, uh, what strip is that you're wearing? Is that the, the dark? This is the um, League Cup final one from last year. Uh, we the, the, one. The, the one with the big cover badge? Is that the one? Yeah, it is, yeah. Ah, yeah, cool. So we're both wearing examples of strips that Celtic would have been allowed to wear yesterday. Uh, yeah. 
and St- with St Mirren still playing in a home strip. But uh, just just in case anyone from Adidas is watching, because uh, I, I believe in Postacoglu's pre-match comments, he was none too happy about wearing the, the grey strip either. But Hoodoo is over. The grey strip has uh, come through for us. Uh, it, obviously, the problem in the, the previous game where we lost was the players couldn't see each other. And luckily, it also meant uh, Charles Dunn could not see Kyogo sneaking in behind him when he got that red card. So... Uh, Let's wear that grey strip more often, I think. Um, so the first thing, the first thing to note, I guess, of the game, something that is quite exceptional for any game in modern day football, is that the Celtic team was announced with the same starting eleven as the cup final, but also the exact same bench as the cup final. Uh, and even more astonishingly, the same five subs that were made last week were the same five subs that were made yesterday. Uh, were you expecting any changes, Tommy, or was that uh, the right decision you felt beforehand? rather than with hindsight. Look, I'm, I'm not surprised that he kept the same team. Um, I probably was expecting maybe one or two changes, maybe a batter to come in uh, on the wing, um, but not surprised at all. I mean, last season when we got to this sort of point of the season, if I, if I recall correctly, he sort of got pretty consistent with his team and week to week, wouldn't be too many changes. And um, yeah, I wasn't overly surprised. Mm-hmm. We... we... We've been on this really good winning run at the moment and a lot of the games, particularly the home games, really have a kind of sameness about them and the way they feel, the way we talk about the games. But I feel like yesterday was a bit different, to be honest. There was a, um, obviously our past performances against St Mirren. Uh, that's Postacoglu's third game at New St Mirren Park and that's the first time we've actually scored a goal. We previously had a 0-0 and a, a 2-0 uh, defeat there. Uh, Paul, how did you see the game overall? Uh, not just without going into the minutiae of the players, but the uh, overall performance, uh, how things played out. Yeah, look, I think we joked about this as a, a cliche, but it really was um, a game of two halves. We never really turned up first half. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the penalty decisions uh, shortly, but um, obviously they get a, a good break with a penalty call early on. Um, it doesn't really change how they go about the game. They they, they were happy to um, frustrate um, and yeah use use main and grieve as, as their outballs and try and get up and support as and when if they could but really they're looking for set pieces and, and to try and take something there um i think the biggest difference between the first and second half for me is that, that we were we looked pedestrian first half we huffed and puffed and apart from a couple of nice bits of interplay we didn't really create very much and we never broke the lines the way we typically would um whereas second half there was a much greater intensity we moved the ball quicker we moved the ball vertically through the lines um and yeah obviously chances came from there and and, and yeah we, we we were pretty comfortable in the end i mean it wasn't like we were yeah so Mirren did what they were expected to do in the first half stephen robinson came out after and said that their tactic was to press us for the ball at the right moments and at the right times and i think what it really meant by that was the right players and they seemed to accept that they weren't going to get it from Callum McGregor and what they were actually looking at was pressing uh, Adam Moy and the fullbacks and, and kind of try to get at them. Didn't really, I mean, I, I want to say it didn't work for them, but they did, you know, they did obviously get that one goal lead, which was the only shot that they had on or off target in the entire game was from the penalty spot. So uh, we had 82% of the possession by the end. We had 706 passes by the end. They had um, 
I've got it to write it down here. Hold on. 80, yeah, 86 completed passes in the entire game. So it was pretty one-sided uh, in that sense. Um, Tommy, do you think that was a result of the red card? Do you think it was a result of the early goal? Or do you think it was just a result of the way Celtic played? Or all of those things and at which level, which order of importance, if that case? Well, I think the um, St. Mary were always going to sit the stall out like that. I think the last couple of times they've played us, they've set out five at the back and tried to make it difficult for us. Um, I thought we started the game even before the penalty, quite poor. We gave the ball away a couple of slack passes um, and just went holding on to the ball at all. They were pressing uh, Moy and Hatari when they had the back to goal, so we weren't be able to get turned and play the passes in behind like they normally would. Um, so I actually thought that Johnson done not too bad in the first half, trying to get a couple of balls in behind for Jora. Um, and that was probably the only times we sort of looked dangerous down that right-hand side. Um, but the red card yeah, definitely changed the game. Um, but I thought that the first goal for us, the getting equalisers at the start of the second half, was probably the most important thing. Just not only for getting it back to one each, but from a psychological perspective, given we're wearing the grey strip, and given we struggled there the last couple of times, I think that sort of really gave us the boost. And I think from there, it was only going to be one winner. And um, we really ran over the top of them. And then once we got the second goal, then they really had to open up. And then the gaps became bigger. And um, Abada obviously coming on, um, more direct, a bit more trickery in the Maeda. Um, yeah, all, all contributed. Um, really good second half. Yeah, my, my personal feeling on it was that the, the red card didn't actually have any material impact on the way the game was being played uh, until uh, we go 2-1 up and then they have to open up a bit at that point. I think before that, the only difference really was that um, they had one target man instead of two. And, and other than that, there was really no effective change to how the game was going. Mahesh um, has su- suggested in the comments that um, in the, the first half stats showed that we did have a good XG. Uh, we should have scored a goal or two in the first half uh, Rio Hitati hits the crossbar <clears throat> Jota pulls off a great save from Carson uh, for me my main complaint uh, in the first half was because we were getting fewer openings than we're used to there was some bad decision making uh, there was a kind of panic when we were getting the openings and that was particularly uh, particularly against people like Jota and Alistair Johnson and uh, Adam Moy out in the right, we were just kind of swinging it to the back post and it was Dyson Maeda versus Ryan Strain and it was never never successful. One of the, one of the stats from the game was that uh, we had 36 attempted crosses and only one of those was successful. Uh, do you want to... Was that a very good successful cross that was a, a key change in the game, Paul? The, the one successful one? How did you see it? How was your reaction to that one successful cross? You, you are our one successful cross. You mean the yeah. the, mm-hmm. the free kick? Um, well, look, it's it, you, you. As soon as we get the first goal, we know you, you know what's coming. You know it's it's going to be relentless. Um, but yeah, the delivery from Moy is is great. Um, obviously, AJ is just sheer determination to get in there. I'm not. I'm still not 100. percent I think I said this on the chat. I, I'm not 100 percent sure what part of his body it came off. Or I saw he tweeted that I'm definitely claiming it. So I think he maybe bundled it in against the defender and it sort of squirted its way in through there. But, or, it, you know, I'm not sure which part of his body it eventually touched last, but it kind of didn't really matter. I was half expecting VAR to to try and find a, 
I, I, I flick off an arm or something to to rule it out, but maybe I was even more cynical than usual. But uh, you know, it's a great delivery by Moy, and and he's the first one to really react to realise it's going in because of the angle that he's at and where the contacts come from. But but yeah, um, speaking about Moy in general, he he obviously had you know a pretty pretty average first half as did most of the team to be honest and then he's and then he starts the first uh, the second half like a like a train and, and has three assists although you know if we're technically their assists but maybe maybe their bad assist is we're taking a, a bit of a disservice off a bad because he pretty much does that for himself but um yeah it was a great delivery uh really good um determination to get in and yeah just to sheer to will to want to win that ball first is is what made the difference and obviously once it was 2-1 there was there was only one team winning from there yeah and even yeah like there's probably still a few more things we can touch on in the first half as well so like the um, uh, yeah so Mirren's so Callum McGregor I think highlighted it to referee at one point that every single time St Mirren committed a foul they were like just blatantly kicking the ball the length of the pitch or picking it up and running away with it and it wasn't even like subtle in any way. So I don't know if that's St. Mirren have scouted out the referee before and went, oh yeah, he doesn't give this. And then at one point you see Callum McGregor having a word with the referee and then the next time they get a verbal and then the next time after that they get a yellow. But by the time that's happened, they've already done it seven times. Uh, so it's a bit frustrating in that sense that the referees can't uh, you know, enforce the rules. We're also not getting the ball boys recycling, uh, excuse me, ball people recycling the ball as much as we would like in a home game. So I think it's maybe a bit extreme to say we were like poor in the first half. I don't think we were poor. I think we were actually doing well enough in the circumstances we were up against in submitting. We're doing what they set out to do quite effectively. Um, can call it gamesmanship and anti-football, whatever you wish. Um, but then, after that, we do get the moments that some people reckon, and certainly most paid pundits reckon, turn the game. And that's where Charles Dunn has a shocking back pass. Kyogo gets in behind him. Hulls gets hauled down by Dunn. We get awarded a penalty and a red card. And then there's some refereeing chicanery where uh, Andrew Dallas just let's Dave Dickinson know no that's a free kick and there's no actual monitor review it's just a call from the VAR bus or whatever it is that's going on Tommy how were you reacting to those that incident with Kyogo with the red card with the penalty well as soon as I saw it I thought VAR's going to have a look at whether it was inside or outside the box because it did look pretty marginal looked pretty tight to me just on, on first glance so I knew they would have a look at it um, for me it's 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 very close, but there's been a couple of stills I've seen where there's still contact when Kyogo's actually um, in the box. He's got his foot on the line, part of his body's in the box. And as far as I'm aware, that means it should be a penalty. The thing that I don't understand is VAR is supposed to be for clear and obvious errors, as far as I'm aware. And none of these, potentially the Taylor one, that's a, that's a different argument. But the Kyogo one in particular, to me, wasn't a clear and obvious error. error. And why the referee hasn't been asked to go over and have a look at the monitor, monitor himself, does, I don't understand why that's the case. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but um, but for me, I thought it was um, I thought it was a penalty, um, and a red card was the right decision. Uh, but I wasn't surprised at all when it got changed. I think um, in terms of why, and again, I'm just going from. My understanding, and not saying this is a fact, but 
my understanding is that uh, for things like offside, ball being in and out of play, penalty being in and out of the box, uh, those things are just called from the booth. But uh, should that be the case? Because it kind of looked a lot like to me like it was a subjective decision from Andrew Dallas. Uh, There was no, and as you said, Tommy, exactly, was it or was it not clear and obvious? It did not seem clear and obvious to me. Paul, did you think it was a clear and obvious uh, overturn that Andrew Dallas, uh, son of Hugh Dallas, uh, totally impartial official should be making? Nah, I uh, I absolutely well, actually I thought it was a bold call that the ref gave it both decisions as I think they were. He made the right to call on the pitch. Um, to Tommy's point yet, yeah, we want clear and obvious stuff challenged. I don't think there's a clear and obvious error there. Um, yeah, it definitely inside, definitely outside. Unless there's a view that we haven't seen, where there's a you know an absolute still, and he's got a line that shows there's a zero of him in the body, in the box. Then when there's still contact, then yeah, it's a hundred percent a penalty because the the contact continues into the box. And as we saw um, at the game uh, between Thistle uh, at Ibrox the other week, um, there was a lot of complaint on our side that. You know, this foul started way outside the box and, you know, sort of fell in. But it became clear to those of us that then had to do some research, including myself, and that that was the actual rule. And I wasn't aware that that was the rule. But I think we all quickly became up to speed that that was definitely the rule, that, that if the contact continued inside the area, then that it would be a penalty. And so, I, yeah, I think the referee got it spot on on the pitch. And then, yeah, for reasons that only Andrew Dallas knows, he got himself involved in a situation where he didn't... He's effectively re-refereeing the game at that point. And... We don't want VAR referee in the game. We wanted picking up clear mistakes, and we want we wanted to be adding advantage to the to to the referee on the pitch and helping help. Effectively, he's there they're there to help out. Um, and then, and we also want consistency. We always talk about consistency. So you, you know the thistle one happens at Ibrox. You want the same decision to happen the next time that's the case, and and that doesn't look like it's the case here. So uh, yeah, a few things a few things there um, just around around VAR. We'll continue to talk about VAR, you know, ad, ad infinitum because we're gonna, you know, it's here yeah. to stay. But we need. I think I'm I'm quite happy with VAR in the game. It we just need to be using it better. Like it's it just every week we're talking about it, if not in our game and in, in one of the other matches, um, and just in terms of how it's how it's been applied. So it's not VAR's not the issue. It's the bloke in the studio making the decision that's the issue. So um, yeah, they definitely got this one wrong. But uh, you know, I was actually impressed that the referee on the pitch got them both made those both, both decisions quickly, clearly, uh, and you know that should have probably been left to stand. Well, we'll talk about the second one in, a, in just a moment. But I just like to recall uh, Andrew Dallas VAR was the same official who gave four four penalties for the home team at Ibrox against St Mirren, not in the very recent past. Uh, one or two of which were also on the edge of the box. So. Uh, just uh, when we're talking about away strips, I think we should be getting an away strip that's blue for next season. And then we'll find that things like that one on uh, Kyogo yesterday would have remained a penalty and not been overturned. And the Greg Taylor handball incident would have uh, probably not been given if we managed to get a blue away strip for next season. I think that's kind of the way it seems to, to work this year. Uh, Tommy, did you think... The Greg Taylor handball was a handball. Did you think that um, 
do you think that something needs to be tweaked so that we don't get to a situation where we could be scoring a goal three minutes later and then having it chopped off and coming back for a penalty? How do you, I mean, what did you think of that as well? Well, as soon as um, as soon as it happened in the box, and it looked like it had hit his hand, but the, I mean, his hand was already out of the side, so he's not actually moved his ball, his hand towards the ball. So um, I thought, well, VAR is going to have a look at it, and then when it took so long, I thought, oh. I was surprised. I thought they're not going to have a look at this one. And then three minutes later, I'm not sure whether there is a time limit on how long they can take. Because as you say, what if Celtic went up the other end and put the ball in the back of the net? What happens there? What's what's the rule? Um, but for me, in terms of um, the actual penalty, um, we've seen them given against Celtic several times this year. You've got Burnaby against Dundee United, Matt O'Reilly against Ross County. And then we've seen, seen the other way where you've got, you know, the... Uh, Hearts, Michael Smith won when we beat them 4-3 at Tynecastle. Pretty much he's put his hand out towards the ball, worse than what Greg Taylor done, and it's no penalty, no VAR check. And then you see what's happened on the other side of the city in games involving them. And it's just hard to get a read. What is is the rule? I mean, they need to come out and see how they're interpreting it and just interpret it consistently because um, it doesn't make any sense um, to to the average punter, I think at the moment and the way it's been um, been officiated week to week and game to game. Yeah, and to be fair, that's thus has always been the case uh, in Scottish football. Uh, in some of the comments, we'll reflect that we we've never felt that refereeing was unbiased. Uh, I think uh, someone hold on, just I find it here. Yep, Michael McDonald, foreign refs is the answer. Probably, uh, they never been a talk of strike ever since we had that weekend with the the Luxembourg Liechtenstein officials who did a good job, and the Scottish referees shut up after that. Um, I do agree with Mahesh though that it was the right call. Uh, well, in the sense that the rule was correctly applied, uh, not in the sense that it was a offence. Uh, but uh, if we're being consistent with how the rule is applied, it was it was technically correct. His arm was out from his body, and he does motion it towards the ball as well for a kind of second action. But I think what we can do is we can probably put some uh, officiating chat to bed and talk about uh, Celtic because that was a big game, a big win. Uh, just to give a little bit of context, uh, before the game, St Mirren had only conceded nine goals at home in the league this season, uh, and we scored five. So we've that's like a large percentage of the goals that they've conceded at home this year was yesterday against us. Uh, before the game, they had the third best defensive record in the league. Um, St. Johnson, only team this season that scored more than one goal at New St. Mirren Park, and they'd scored two. So these are all things that like kind of reflect on this was a big performance, this was a big result. It was kind of, to me, it reminded me of the time where we beat Livingston 3-0 or 3-1, I can't remember his exact score, where James Forrest scores the third one, and it was a kind of really getting this hoodoo off our back. It was like, and, and again, I know Posse Coglu wouldn't be chatting about it, wouldn't entertain any talk of that, but to me, it felt like there was a minor hoodoo going into this game. I don't know if it was from previous results. I don't know if it was from the grey strip. I don't know if it was expecting a cup final hangover. Paul, did you feel that as well, or is it just me? Look, um, all like so all the stats, you know, four cup final, four league cup finals. We haven't we haven't won a game past that. Um, you know, I hate I, I hate when uh, fans fixate on 
an unlucky strip or you know it just it just it, it i know i know why it happens and but to me it's it's sort of it's we're putting excuses you're making excuses before the fact sort of thing in the in the attempt that you know potentially the game might not go our way um look i i i didn't really have any concerns going into the match you know we're on a we're flying for form we've beaten some around twice recently we knew how they're going to set up um you're expecting the lightning doesn't strike twice they've always had a great result against us at home earlier in the season the the team and Angie can be bang up for it they're in much better form and we've got a much deeper squad than when we last went there um and even with a bit of you know a couple of unfortunate decisions first half and going in one down at half time never really were was too concerned that, that you know it, it wasn't going to turn around for us um like I think the first goal fifty six minutes, second goal sixty two minutes, um, and then suddenly you know you're you're, you're you, the game's completely turned around and you're on your way, um, and it's about that time like sixty minutes, seventy five minutes. If we you know if we haven't already got the upper hand in games, that's when it starts to happen because that's when the bench unloads. That's when you know you get fresh legs in against, and even if the opposition brings on fresh legs, they're not at the same level. They're going to weaken their side by bringing their subs on, and we're not really weakening our side by bringing our subs on. So, no, I am. Um, I felt like it was, you know, it could be tricky again for 50, 60, 70 minutes, but ultimately there would be too much firepower, um, and that's how it panned out again. Yeah, and look, the I think the game, as you said, it was. Yeah, it changes after sixty minutes, and uh, in, in the sense that we have the deeper squad. The, the but some and even in previous games against St. Mirren, where they've not had the red cards. Oh, well, I guess they did in the last game, but in, in games where they've kept eleven men on, uh, it has shown like the quality and fitness has told after seventy minutes, uh, and it, it may well have turned out to be the case again yesterday. But I think for us to get the 2-1 lead was not really down to that and it was not really down to uh, inventiveness either. It was like, the two goals that we scored to take the lead were almost just sheer will uh, and determination. And, and Jota in his post-match, they ask him, uh, he, he says, oh, I need to see my goal back because I'm not even sure how I scored it. Uh, he's basically like, the ball's there and he's just just got this instinct and determination just swings a leg at it gets it in the goal and then like his celebration was beautiful like there was nothing like none of this nonsense theatrics it was just absolutely sheer joy and like determination and willpower in his face Tommy were you do you, do you think that the Jota goal really encapsulated the turnaround or uh, was it or do you think uh, am I wrong there what do you think no, definitely. I think scoring early in the second half, as I think I touched on earlier, um, really made the difference and sort of um, just sort of stamped the sort of belief that we would have to get back in the game. Not that we don't have any belief at the moment, the way that we've been playing. But as you said, possibility we lost the, the last time. We drew nothing each of the time before that. Just to get that first goal and set us on our way was, was a huge thing. And fair play to Jota as well, because he wasn't having a good game. Um, he was getting fouled quite consistently. Um, and he was getting booed for it. And I don't know if you heard the um, the St Mirren, there was one St Mirren fan, I don't know if he was a St Mirren fan actually in the crowd, but the abuse and the language he was given out during the commentary was um, quite quite something. Um, but to, to, for Jota, he kept on going through that. You know, he didn't didn't let it get his head down. He was still trying, you know, and he, he was even run, one point he ran from one side of the park to the other at the start of the mm-hmm. second half just before he scored. 
just to try and make something happen. And as you say, just sheer will and determination. I mean, how he scored that, I mean, sitting lying on his ass <laughs> was was something else. And um, yeah, his celebration was fantastic, you know, and it just shows the real spirit in the team, I think. Yeah, and look, even before he scores that, there's a moment like three minutes before that where somebody plays a, a ball across him and it's not a fast ball, but it wasn't a hard one and he just kind of gets his foot under it and it just goes straight out of play. So even, you know, the whole team really to till that goal wasn't having a great start to the second half. And then he just, that, that just kind of, I don't know, if that goal that just lifted everyone at that point. Yeah. And then Alistair Johnson, back post it just two goals that were just forced in not not nothing beautiful about it just two absolute determined goals um yeah and i think at that point the game changes so Marin go 42 immediately and we just start to pick them off um we have one uh that's cleared off the line uh the goalkeeper gets a hand to it and if he doesn't kyogo's probably going to score it and you know uh, yeah, How'd you, what do you think of this in terms of Jota's overall performance in the last few weeks, Paul? Do you think that's going to be? Is that is that kind of? Do you think he'll raise it after that yesterday? Do you think he needed that goal for a bit of belief in the same way Matt O'Reilly looked like he did when he scored a couple of weeks ago against St Mirren? Do you think this could be a, a, a late renaissance in the season for Jota now on the back of that? Well, yeah, look, I I thought he'd been playing pretty well. I think I was on record as saying a couple of weeks ago that, um, that I can't remember who we were playing the whole match where he was, like his work rate was phenomenal. Um, he didn't necessarily have the output um, uh, as as he maybe often would have, but I think his contribution's been decent. Um, the cup final, I thought he was um, solid and played well without, you know, without maybe, he had a couple of nice touches, obviously the nutmeg, Um and he did look dangerous, obviously, coming in off the wing. He had the shot and the save, and, and there was bits of that. But uh, the goal will definitely perk him up. Um, he was having a frustrating afternoon. Like, you can clearly see, interestingly, he scores from the inside right channel. However, mm-hmm. he looked way more comfortable when he was back on the left. Um, and that, we obviously know that's his natural position. Obviously, Maeda has been playing so well that um, he's been sort of forced across to the right. Um Eve, that said again, first half, the most times we did look most dangerous was the link up between him and Hatate and AJ down the right. There was a, there was a lovely little interchange that put Jota in for the shot that Carson saved well, as you mentioned earlier. That little uh, pass in from um, Johnston in and the little back heel by Hatate and then put Jota away. So, look, I think I think he will get up. He will get a boost from that. Obviously, attacking players when they're scoring goals, it, it does give them a lift. Um, but I generally think his contribution has been pretty good. It's maybe just not been at the absolute highest level that we've seen him produce. So, you know, there's a perception that he's not maybe you know being as impactful or, or or playing up to the level that we know he can reach. But I think his think his level has been pretty decent. There's uh, another winger we can talk about though. Uh, for the second se- uh, second time this season, uh, Maeda gets hooked at half time in Paisley. That's that happened earlier when we lost two 0 Um, and then Abada comes on, and I, again I think Abada's first two contributions is he puts crosses either into the stand or into the goalkeeper's hands, but then he scores the crucial third goal where uh, everyone kind of starts to breathe a sigh of release at that point and the commentators say, yep, this is a game over now. 
And there was a spell just after that where it looked like we were just going to be choosing how many goals we score. Um, there's a comment here. Uh, Jota on the left, a bad on the right for the Hearts game from Mark Dunn. What do you think, Tommy? Should Abada have started, or do you think it was the right decision that we were still going with Maeda, even though he wasn't didn't have his best game offensively last week, and he didn't have his best game the last time we were in St Mirren? Or is hindsight fifty fifty? And should Abada be starting the next game, Tommy? Yeah, look, I think Abada's um, done enough to merit a start. I think that's a, a, two goals in the last few games where he's come off the bench. So, and for me, yesterday really gave us something different when he came on and he allowed Jorah to get back on and agree with Paul on, on the left-hand side, which is his best position. Maeda, for me, um, you know, deserved his place in the team. He's been playing superbly well. And yeah, he wasn't that effective last week going forward, but the amount of work he'd done defensively um, was just incredible. But having said that, a game against St. Mirren away, when they've got five at the back, they're probably going to sit pretty deep. Um, it's probably not, and they're not going to press forward as much. He's not going to be required as much defensively. It's probably a time you can maybe have given him a rest. Um, so for me, I can understand why I started. Um, I would have probably went with a bad at the start. Um, but a bad in the second half, I thought, was um, tremendous. And I thought, I actually seen a, a little bit more from him than, than I have previously. I mean, previously, he seems to sort of struggle to beat a man and have a trick to get past the man. He's been a bit similar to Maeda in terms of his direct, his pace, but he seems to be picking up a trick or two now, like even the uh, free goal. Just that little, the way he moves the ball from one foot to the other, steps past and finishes it. Um, you can see a touch of the Harry Kills and that, and I just wonder if Harry Kills um, having a bit of an impact on him because he did look really good yesterday. And definitely, I would say, merits to start on uh, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good low finish. I, I don't think there's much the, the keeper can do about it, to be honest. Um, but there's another player we could talk about that may merit a start. And look, I'm going to chuck my, my, na- my name in here for this one. Because I think that Maeda, uh, not Maeda, excuse me, Abada, as much as he's a great player, uh, when he gets stood up on the wing, he kind of looks like he lacks a bit of imagination. Uh and he, and he kind of when he plays on instinct, he does better. But when he's having to stop and think, he does, I'm not sure he's as effective. But one player that I think is the opposite of that that is plays some very inventive football, very tricky, always moving his feet, always moving the ball, seeing runs, seeing angles, and who's looked very effective uh, in the last couple of games for me is Haksibanovic. Paul, what's your take on uh, our Montenegrin winger? Does he deserve a start? How's he been in your eyes? How was he yesterday? Yeah, look, I take the point. He's he offers something different, I think, to to pretty much everyone. Obviously, he's got the the, the that quick feet, which, but he's he's probably less. He, the only one that comes close is probably Jota, and, and Jota's more like a traditional dribbling winger, which will go past people at pace. Whereas, to me, Haksibanovic is is more. Um, he's not going to try and you know run at you and necessarily beat you inside or outside. He's going to little quick shift to feet he's looking for little one twos um maybe a turn and 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 you know a flick off and back um i don't know if you want like i i have no complaints with him starting but in in a, in the levels of competition we've got in those areas you know does he warrant a start right so and and if you think about it does um are you switching both wingers in the same match maybe maybe not um i'd feel like when we've when we've made some more significant wholesale changes like you know more than two or three at any one time in the past then 
you potentially get a slightly more disjointed performance and it, it doesn't necessarily um you know go as well as you would would hope so uh, look i'd have no issues starting um a bad antax advantage but i don't think it'll happen like I, th- I think i think one of them might get a start and the other and probably jota plays uh, as well as um whether that's on the left or the right, if it's, you know, if, if Haxabanovich gets annoyed, he probably stays on the right. If Abada gets annoyed, he's, he's probably staying on the left. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Hearts are still, we'd expect to beat them at home, but they're still the third, the third team in the country for now. So you probably don't want to do too many wholesale changes. We, we spoke about earlier on and Tommy made a good point that, that obviously once we're into this time in the season where, you know, it, this is where it, the nitty gritty happens. We've only got one game a week apart from obviously this week. Um, typically, we've only got one game a week, so there aren't going to be as many changes. Um, I, I think Haxavanovic could easily start, but I'm not sure he's pushed his case as strong as Abada has, particularly with um, the assist and the goal just there. Mm-hmm. And, it's and hearts, will, hearts will probably come out a bit, right? So they, they will, they, you know, they will. They're not just going to sit back for the whole match, whereas, um, you know, other teams that come and visit might do that. So you'd think that they will have at points in the game they'll have a bit of a go and a baddest pace um, and directness. I think is advantageous. Hearts have got previous four resting players ahead of cup games, even at Celtic Park. Uh, I think they did it two years ago, where they basically changed the majority of the starting eleven. Um, and what we're talking about here is quite divisive in the comments. You know, we've got one commenter whose name I can't say, given give Hawks Hacksaw we run uh, for expletive reasons. And then we've got Stoned Outlaw saying nobody listened to Sean. He doesn't want Hacksaw playing. But then, you know, Maesh Hacksaw plays like a playmaker, even though he's on the wing. And again, comment, Maeda is much more suited for bigger pitches. Abada is technically can be a man with the ball. So we've got this great position where we've got these four competing wingers and a fifth winger uh, who has not even been mentioned and barely a breath has been spoken about him in the last two weeks. He was in every match day squad until the cup final. That was the first match day squad he was left out of all season. And our fifth winger, the most decorated player in our squad, in our team, James Forrest, what's going on? Should he be in the squads? Is this just the evolution of the team? Is, what's going on with James Forrest? I know we're most more focused on match analysis, but where's the fifth winger? Should we care? Is it just what's going on? Tommy, do you miss James Forrest? Oh, look, I love James Forrest, and I think he's been a seriously underappreciated player um, by a lot of Celtic fans over the years. I mean, he's 100, 100 goals and 100 assists. I mean, so, not many. Um, and then a couple more, but yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's not many that have. He doesn't even have his own song. So, um, yeah, no, look, it's it's one of those things. It's The squad is that strong now. It's like, who do you leave off the bench? Because obviously you've, you're, you're naming a bench to fill a need. You're trying to plan for contingencies, what you might need to do to change things during the game. And if you've already got Abada, Haksabanovic on the bench, do you really need three wingers on the bench? And at the moment, I think just where he is in his career, I would say that, you know, probably Haksabanovic and Abada, unfortunately, are ahead of him at this stage. So you reckon it's just form, even though he was in every squad until last week? I think it is. And just, as I said, just the balance of the squad and just trying to make sure you have, um, you know, the right options available to make changes during the game, depending on what, what way the game might be going. 
I do I mean, wonder how even, much... even Turnbull's not getting much of a run now. Sorry, sorry. Um, Turnbull's no, not yeah. getting much of a run now. Awata seems to have overtaken him, and it's just maybe just part of the natural squad progression, I think. Yeah, and I, and I wonder how much he's been paid to be the nineteenth or twentieth man in the squads. Uh, that's that's my only real concern there. But as someone, I'm definitely happy to have around just whether as long as we're getting value there. Um, Tommy, you just mentioned the Wata. Uh, is there a case to bring him in and give Callum McGregor some more freedom, uh, Paul? Uh, look, I, I, I'd be pretty keen to see that, to be honest. In in the snippets that we've seen um, of Awata, he's looked very neat and tidy. Um, it's like, yeah, I think he was his addition in the cup final was really crucial in terms of just solidifying that when we had that wobbly spell. Um, he's obviously a J League Player of the Year last season. Um, uh, yeah, I think it'd be it'd be good to see him see more of him, whether that's Wednesday night or not. Um, but that again, that that's the other element you've got with Adenowata to the squad is then that you know you, Cal doesn't get dropped, does he? So he's it's even more competition for the further forward positions in in midfield. So O'Reilly's had a, a, a bit of time out previously. Moy was um, Hatati mostly will play, but you know he didn't have his best game yet. Um, so, so you, you know you, you push a Wata into the deep line role, and then you've suddenly got even more competition for for places. Um, which for somebody like Turnbull, that makes it even harder for him to to get in a squad. And, and while we're on about Forrest, I think the, the only additional thing I would say about Forrest, and he has been a tremendous servant, and and he still looked sharp and and, and contributed when he's come on in in the rare times he has this season. Um, but I think Abada and Haxbanovich, not only are they further ahead than him in terms of what they can contribute, but they're a bit more um, versatile as well. So as the, one of the comments said, Haxbanovich can play like a playmaker. He can come into a slightly deeper role. He can play a 10. Um, and somebody like Abada, I could, you know, I could see Abada ending up as a, some sort of centre forward. Um, he's, you know, he's he's got that good, you know, ability to finish, um, find space in the box. Um, and he's obviously filled in there once or twice um, when, when Kyogo had his injuries last year before um, Giacomakis was fully up and running. So um, I just think those two offer um, more versatility as well as anything else. So that's just another um, unfortunate reason for, um, for for James Forrest that he probably does just miss out. And in terms of other players who are outstanding squad players that could maybe be determined unlucky, if you will, or just victims of other players' success. Uh, what did you make of Matt Riley's goal and overall performance yesterday, Tommy? I thought that's the, the sharpest and the, the best he's looked in um, probably a number of weeks since he's been coming on. I don't know whether he's maybe been carrying a little knock or something, but he's just looked a bit sluggish, I thought, um, the, the times he has come on in recent weeks. But yesterday he looked really hungry, he looked keen to get on the ball. Um, a lovely finish for his goal. He was looking to make things happen. It looked more like getting back to um, what we know he can do. Uh, so I think that's been missing for probably a, a number of weeks now since we came back. But yeah, he looked um, really good. I mean, we saw what he done last year. I mean, he can be a really valuable contributor. But again, it comes back to the competition in in that area of the pitch. Like, who are you going to drop? And who who is going to come out to make way for him? Um, do you drop Moy? Do you drop Hatari? Um, if you're going to play a water, do you drop? I mean, it's it's just a it's a really good problem for Ange to have. Um, but as I said, I think at the moment um, we're getting to that really sort of serious point of the season um, where I don't think you'll see too many changes week to week. So I think it's going to be hard for the guys 
um, that are on the bench to force the way in because it's difficult if you're only getting 20 minutes a week to get a bit of a rhythm up uh, and when you play football and when it's played football will know if you're coming off the bench um, and you only get 10 15 minutes it's hard to get a bit of consistency in form so um i think it's going to be difficult for the guys on the bench but it's good to have the options there i think uh, with more Aaron Moy's age he's probably a prime and with the Tynecastle game looming I think he's a prime candidate to be rotated uh, on Wednesday so the way I see it is there's two real options to rotate uh, Moy in that case is you can either bring O'Reilly in one for one or you can bring Awata in and allow McGregor some freedom to go forward now that might mean taking a bit of energy out of McGregor etc Hatati similar maybe Quick short answer from both of you. Which, if that's your two choices, which do you go for? Do you go straight with O'Reilly, or do you go bring in Awata and put McGregor in for Moy? Tommy, O'Reilly, O'Reilly, Paul, same, same, O'Reilly, yeah, fair, yeah. I think it's probably, yeah. I think especially being a home game, we might need that a bit more. And I think one thing that's really uh, understated and underappreciated about Matt O'Reilly is he's brilliant at defending set pieces uh, aerially. I think it's so under un, under noticed how much he does that. Uh, he did that a couple of times yesterday, and he does it. Like that one, the goal we conceded in the cup final, that's not conceded if Matt Riley is in ahead of Moy. So mm. it's one aspect of his game that is very underappreciated, I think. Um, in terms of other, the, the last player I really want to talk about, oh, actually maybe two, but one, one player to focus on again from yesterday, and at halftime I was given the shout that, I guess we can put these two together, was we should be, with the red card, we should be taking off Starfelt and bringing on O and going for two up front. So O really put a shift in yesterday, put himself about, um, got a penalty, probably could have had two penalties. Um, I think there was one that was appalling that it wasn't gone to VR. And if again, if he'd been wearing blue, it probably would have been a penalty. And if the game finishes one each, it's a massive talking point. But anyway, we get another one later with the shirt pull. He gets his goal. Uh, Paul, do you think O... Is going to be starting midweek. Do you think he's uh, going to be on penalties going forward? Uh, how do you think he's settled in so far? How would you put his performance yesterday? Yeah, so I think his I think his performance yesterday was was solid again. I think he's contributed every single time he's come off the bench. He definitely offers something different. Another, he's he's like another one of these 20, 20 21 year old kids who seem to have come in and just hit the ground running, which, you know, a lot of the squads like that. Um, that's, you know, valid point about O'Reilly as well. You know, he's played a lot of football since we signed him um, and obviously was asked to cover uh, Cal for a good chunk of the season. So um, it's not maybe a massive surprise. His form's dipped a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that my only, my only criticism if, of all was, and he, he was entitled to go down because they had a mass, Gogic had a massive handful of his shirt, but he did look keen to to collapse a bit more easily than I would I would prefer. There was another one not long afterwards where he went down a bit too easily, um, but but yeah, his um, his his contribution has been good. He won't be on penalties. I wouldn't have thought. Um, he was a little bit lucky there, um, and yet as Mark said, the 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 skip and run up was something to behold. But um, but yeah, look, it went in, and by that point we're four one up anyway. So um, look, I think. 
we I'd like to have us to have a fixed penalty taker. Um, obviously, Hatati's taken some. Um, some who, it's Moy, is isn't it? I think Moy. Moy is yeah, Moy when, he, Moy when he's on Hatati. If if not, um, obviously now always taking one. Um, obviously, Jackamakis has missed a couple prior to him leaving. So, um, and, and JJ was on them. But I, I guess when you rotate this, the, the central positions as, as regularly as we do, then there's a pretty good chance that you, you know, if you have one fixed penalty taker, they're, they're maybe not going to be on the pitch. So, and I know like Carl's missed a few down the years as well. So, um, it wasn't the best of pens. It went in. It was icing on the cake. But yeah, look, I think there's so, uh, so much more to come from him. Um, like he's literally probably just come off the back of a season, I think, in Korea. So, um, you know, he's played a lot of football as well, you would imagine. But, um, but yeah, he's it's very early days in his career generally, and with us, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't start him ahead of um, Kyogo on, on Wednesday. Um, you know, we score five goals and Kyogo doesn't get one. It's probably a bit more of a talking point than than we've mentioned, but. Um, Again, I think he had two touches, um, but in amongst those two touches, then there was a red card because you can't keep your eyes um, often for a second and he'll be in behind. So I, I'd still start Kyogo, but um, I've been re- I think it's been a very promising start for O. Um, there's a long way to go with him and his career, but I think um, the signs are positive from what we've seen so far. I mean, he's no Kyogo, and the comments are, are generally not... Uh... Yeah, not not particularly um, endorsing, uh, not not uh, confidently endorsing anyway. But I think he's a lot better than a lot of the also ran strikers we've had in the past. You know, would you rather have a, a Miku in there or a Chris Kellen or you know any of those players? I think there's 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 something about him that we can you know you wouldn't would you rather have Albina Yeti coming back in? I don't think so. So there's there's definitely something uh, there and. I think there is a bit of work that he needs to do, but I think he's, he's doing a good job in relief of Kyogo at the moment. But as you say, Kyogo is probably going to continue to start. And I think there's not going to be too many midweek games left after this one. Uh, maybe one gets moved for the cup semi-final, but I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I think we can talk about what this means for the season overall. So we've already talked about what it meant in terms of the, you know, winning at St Mirren and what that means to us, what it means to Ange. But if we can look at Celtic's overall form and what it means, um, that's now 11 wins in a row. Okay, 14 out of 15 games won since the World Cup. We had one draw at Ibrox when we were ravaged by, by food poisoning. Okay, we're now 25 wins out of 27 in the league. That is pretty wild, to be honest. We're on 76 points and 87 goals. We're on track to beat the record for points. We're on track to beat the record for goals. And we're currently nine points ahead and 28 goals ahead of our nearest rivals, if you want to call them that. Now, to give it a little bit more added context, uh, on their current form, second place Sevco would be top of the table uh, at this point last season after 27 games. So they've actually improved since last season, but it doesn't look like it because we're just absolutely rampant. Uh, we're now at the weekend, uh, we hit 250 goals under Ange in just 99 games, which is great as well, especially with European games included in that. So what? how do you see this in 
our overall form. How is the season shaping up now? There's a maximum of 15 games left. Tommy, what's your overall feeling on how this result has a bearing on the season and what our overall form is like? Well, the overall form is absolutely incredible, really. Um, It's... um ridiculous to have this many points and this many goals um, at this stage of the season and I genuinely don't think I've enjoyed watching a Celtic team as much in my lifetime as I have watching this Celtic team so I'm always there. I think we touched on it last week and I said I take it you know one game at a time and always a bit more look at the bigger picture sort of thing and I guess I've always been like that um, from being um, a suffering fan in the 90s and seeing us chuck away a nine point league in 1987 and um, but with this team um, I mean even yesterday 1-0 down half time you just know that they're going to keep fighting they're going to keep going they do never stop um, the amount of times that we've, um, we've we've scored late goals to get a result I mean even this season against Dundee United they equalised in the 88th minute we got the park and scored twice um, St Johnson they equalised in the 91st minute we got the park and scored a winner so it's going to take um a monumental collapse uh, and a monumental change in what's happening um, for us to not go ahead and, and, and wrap it up. But um, we keep playing the way we're playing. We'll wrap it up in the next the next eight games, I think, because um, we do look a bit unstoppable at the moment. Yeah, and we've got, of the 11 games we've got left in the league, sorry, I said 15, 14 potentially. We need to win eight, I think, yeah. But of the 11 league games, yeah, yeah well, uh, I think if we win our next... Seven, because one of them is against second place oh, okay. team. So if we win our next seven, then we win the league. I haven't looked that far out. <laughs> and uh, of the 11 games we've got left, six of them are at home, and we've won every single home game this season. So, yeah. And if we need to win eight and six of them are at home, then that's, you know, what's your confidence levels? What's your belief levels, Paul, uh, in that context? Well, I, I was the only one bullish enough to say the league's pretty much done last week. So um, I'm not going to change my tune a week further down the line. Um, look, the, the, my point was I get the... Paul, put a number on it. Give us a number. Percentage. Did we win the league? Yeah. Oh, I'm not putting a percentage. Percentage to your confidence. Oh, my confidence. I'm 100% confident. 100%. I'm 100% confident okay. we'll win the league. But, you know, when we do it is a case. But I, I take Tommy's point. I, you know... My formative years were in the nineties as well. It was an absolutely horrific time to be a Celtic fan. Um, so you know, we've seen we've seen some some terrible times go by, but just with the amount of, you've rattled off a ton of stats there, Sean. But you look at how many games you got left, how many points we've dropped so far, how many points we've dropped in general after Ange initially got. You know, the first few games were a bit wobbly, but after that, since he's been up and running, we barely dropped points in in nearly two seasons. So. I don't expect that we're going to drop, you know, too many more points this season, and certainly with two games against the Rangers to come, uh, one of them being at home. I expect if we beat them at home, that then the title is pretty much done and dusted. If not, if not, if not already, like maybe not mathematically, but it, you know, we beat them at home, and you know, results kind of go. Like I think this Wednesday is going to be interesting. I expect us to be Hearts. Obviously, we're at home; we've got the advantage, but they've got a tricky game. Um, against Hibs um, and Hibs are obviously having a little bit of a, a renaissance finally um, unbeaten in five um, so uh, you know that gap could you know I wouldn't be hugely surprised if the gap increases after after the midweek games this week um, 
at the very least, the goal difference will probably increase again. Yeah. And I think that's, talk- a, that's sorry. Okay, go. I was yeah. just going to say, I think that's a really good point. It's something that, um, you know, we don't really think of. We look at it from our perspective, but, you know, that re- that relies on them winning all their games and there's absolutely no guarantees that they will because most of the games have been scraping through by a goal here or there. So it's a good point. The, the Hibs thing is curious because they've just lost Aidan McGeady for the season uh, to a, a torn hamstring. Uh, but as you said, they have won four out of five games since El Sakiko. Uh, so Lee Johnson was basically one game away from losing his job. Uh, he wins that game 6 now. Jim Goodwin gets canned. Then he comes back this weekend and get, uh, gets Aberdeen's first away win in forever uh, by managing Dundee United against them and losing at Tanadice. So it's been it's a bit of a weird one. And we are playing Hibs at home soon. So, um, yeah. And the, the other incident that was remarkable from that game was David Martindale getting a red card. Uh, for giving David Marshall the finger. So it's, there's a lot of interesting things happening around Hibs at the moment, who we are facing, I think, after the international break. Did you see the, the incident in question, Tommy? The Martindale one? Yeah. No, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about it. Isn't it something that um, it was Marshall was asking how long there is to go? Yeah. And then he sort of gave him the thing, and it was like one minute or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it. Yeah. Did you see it, Paul? No, I know I didn't see it, but... It... You know, Martindale behaving badly. You, you're not shocked, are you? Let's be honest. Look, I'm just saying this. This is this. This is the sort of stuff I live for. When people talk like, "Oh, what's your English team?" Like, I don't need to support an English team. Like, I am absolutely all in on the entertainment value of Scottish football. They go, "Oh, yeah, but English football is better." I'm like, but Scottish football is more entertaining. How many how many EPL games would you see a manager sit red carded for giving a goalkeeper the finger? Like, it. Scottish football is pure entertainment. Like it's bad, is but it's better for me in terms of entertainment value. Tommy, do you disagree? Oh, not at all. It's a, it's a lot more comical. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I'm just wondering how how that'll affect David Martindale's budget. He's sending <laughs> off. Now. He's always talking about the budgets. So this is true. As long as they don't appeal, I think it doesn't cost them anything. Yeah. I think it's a thousand pounds to appeal, something like that. Oh, that uh, might happen hard. Yeah, there's been, yeah, and, and look, I know we don't like to, there's aspects of it we don't think are great, but it's entertaining, if nothing else. And look, uh, in terms of which league is Tinpot, uh, you know, any league where you get a big team beating another big team 7-0 is clearly Tinpot, right? Unbelievable, eh? Well, even Rangers managed to I guess, set a goal against them, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> so United have... United, I've watched the highlights on that today, actually. The the defending was absolutely shocking. And they, they pretty much tossed in the towel so, like in the last half an hour or so. It's uh, got a couple of mates at United fans and um I've been trying to poke the bears a little bit this morning, but they're not really they're not really taking the bait yet. But uh, they'll be fuming, absolutely fuming. Especially because Liverpool have been on such a bit of a bad run. Yeah. It's probably a long trip back to London for those travelling Man United fans as well uh, after a 7-0 win. Uh, but, uh, defeat, sorry. Uh, and we, Arsenal, are they going to win the league? Is that late minute? Is that the form of champions when you get late minute, uh, late winners like that, Tommy? Well, that was, I mean, if you talk about last minute, last minute winners, did they get much better than that? I mean, that was an absolute stormer of a goal I mean one touch and bang from outside the box across the goalkeeper it doesn't get much better than that that's about the second I think they've done that's the second time they've done it in three weeks or something they do it against Aston Villa as well so. Villa yeah 
Yeah, so they're going to touch. I mean, obviously, when you've got those sort of things doing all that the belief it gives you, because yeah, we know all about it. Um, you know, there's there's no reason why they can't. I mean, I've seen Arsenal a few times this year, and they play really good football. Uh, they're good to watch. I wouldn't mind seeing them win the league. I don't really have an English team, but I like the football they play, so we get to see them win it. We've got a lot in common with Arsenal, obviously, with Kieran Tierney being there. Uh, some of the Arsenal legends that came up here, like Ian Wright, uh, Freddie Lundberg, Jeremy Aliadier. We're, the team is just our team has been littered with ex-Arsenal legends. Or do we? Or do we want to just spite? Michael you forgot. Michael you forgot Arteta? Martin Hayes. You forgot Martin Hayes. Right. I, even now that you've said his name, I still can't remember him. So I'm going to continue. Continue to have forgotten Martin Hayes. Yeah, as Tommy's face is remember, he remembers him. So yeah, oh dear, yeah. <laughs> one of the worst yeah, signings we've ever made, I yeah. reckon. A million quid, I think. Not on Cascarino, yeah, a million, and then one point five on Cascarino. Hmm. Unbelievable. But Most yeah, like, if if only they could match Scottish football for entertainment value. Hopefully, Mikel Arteta gets sent off for giving someone the finger before the end of the season, and then <laughs> then 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 they can come and talk to us. Uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and and again, the English fans were complaining that they didn't get to see the Arsenal game. I'm like, well, look, we don't get to see our midweek games this week this, uh, because uh, there's a an English uh, women's Premier League game, which is great for them. But, you know, we're in Scotland. Uh, shouldn't they be showing some of the big Scottish games that are happening this midweek? Uh, Celtic versus Hearts. I think we said Sevco against Hibs. Bit of a disappointing decision, but as it is, right? Should we be? I think that's more of a Tuesday, Wednesday topic about the broadcasting thing. So we'll probably just leave it there since we are hitting an hour. Uh, Tommy, any final thoughts? So obviously, we're going to listen in to South Down Under Tuesday, Wednesday shows this week. Um, but anything else? Would you like to predict the Hearts game since you probably won't be on before then? Yeah, look, I, I would say probably the way we're going, probably 3 0. 3 0 at home, big crowd Wednesday night under lights. Um, a bad end for me would be the only change I would make I think um, one player we haven't touched on just quickly is Alistair Johnson um, and how good is he going um, absolutely incredible I think we might want to watch there with a bit of an upgrade on Juranovic um, but yeah look this week more of the same and um, if Hearts feel a weakened team um, could be a bit more but I'll go for 3-0 yeah hopefully they do what uh, they did against Sevco and just chuck three strikers into midfield which was Top decision from Robbie Nielsen there. Uh, Paul, predictions? Anything else happening this week you'd like to make? Uh, well, so look, I I just expect us to win um, and probably win um, with a couple of couple of goals to spare. Um, I will give a little um, a little shout out to uh, anyone that's listening in Scotland. Uh, if you are of a similar vintage to me, um, there's uh, there's a one man play which is uh, on in both Glasgow and Edinburgh this week uh, called Better Days. Uh, it's uh, basically about the rise of the rave rave culture, um, and uh, yeah, this one young kid's um, sort of change from football hooliganism and guitar bands uh, to his life being kind of changed by by dance music and dance culture. So yeah. Um, uh, a mate of mine wrote it. I've uh, been lucky enough to hear the audio. It's been getting great reviews. Uh, it started last week in England. Um, but yeah, better days uh, in both Glasgow and Edinburgh this week if you're around. 
Sounds good. I'll just be trying to figure out how I can get my nap schedule to work in a way that I can watch this game at 3.45 on Thursday morning. It seems unlikely, but I'll give it a that's, crack. That's me up for the day at that point. That's oh, You know, that's it, because, yeah, it finishes at 5.45. So you yeah, you might as well just stay up. Yep, yep. Yeah, you cannot get bad sleep. But, yeah, I mean, try and nap before, like as in on the Wednesday. Oh, I need to try and work it out. Oh, oh, TBC. Right, I think that's us, boys. Well over an hour now. So all that's left to say is thanks for listening. Please tune into our shows tomorrow and Wednesday, and come back next week for the breakdown of our quarterfinal against Hearts, which is hopefully successful. Hail, 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 yes, hail, hail. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.